0: How do couples navigate change in their relationship, in their lives together? That's the question I came away with and the question I went in with in this conversation you're about to hear between Paula and Tim Floyd. There are a couple who took the process a few years ago. What I came away with is curiosity. They embrace curiosity over and over again as they let go of the old story in their marriage and embrace the new story as they let go of the old way and embrace the new way. See what you think. Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Drew Horning, and on this podcast, we catch up with graduates for conversations around how their internal work in the process is informing their life outside the process, how their spirit and how their love is living in the world around them, their everyday radius. Now, welcome everybody to the Hoffman podcast. My name is Drew Horning, and today we have a couple, Paula and Tim Floyd. Welcome both of you. It's so great to have you. Great to be here.
1: Thanks, Drew. It's really fun.
0: Would you introduce yourselves?
1: So, I'm Paula everybody, and I am I took the process a little over 2 years ago. I moved to Bend. We moved to Bend. about a year and a half ago from the Bay Area. I'm originally from the Midwest, from Chicago. And we moved to Bend just to kind of start a new journey. And fortunately, and what I'm so ever grateful for is that my daughter and her wife also uh, joined us in Bend a few months after we moved here. Um, which has really enriched our life. And what I do is uh, I started my own business and I started my own business actually post Hoffman. And it is a national retail outsource service called Headcount. And I'm forever grateful that uh, I started that uh, two years ago as well.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Tim Floyd, and I am uh, Paula's husband. Met probably about 20 years ago or so. I went through the process. It was June two years ago, so about six months or so after Paula went through the process. And we uh, maybe, I don't know, as Paula mentioned, maybe six or seven months later, we actually moved um, and started on this, on this new journey that... Uh, has been full of surprises and, and just amazing, uh, unexpected for sure. Uh, I had the opportunity to be able to move my, my work. Uh, I am in the mortgage business and our company is a national company. And, uh, again, another one of many coincidences, uh, we were not established here yet. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to be able to come here and have a job, which was vital to our move. And so again, as Paula mentioned, I'm just super grateful uh, to be living here and, and, uh, and having Hoffman in my life and being able to share this with all
0: of you. Well, we're grateful to have you on the show. Would you share, Paula, you went first to the process. So what was the impetus that had you say, okay, I'll do this?
1: My gosh, fear. <laughs> fear. If there's one good thing I could say about fear. I had so much fear in me. It brought me to the process. I literally was just in a dire straits career situation and, you know, I, I love I've, what I've done for the last 30 years and I absolutely love what I do. I've been in retail beauty and actually I, I made, you know, I just kept jumping around. You know, I'm pretty loyal and I've had a lot of longevity in my career. But over the last five years before I went to Hoffman, you know, it didn't matter what job I was offered, what title I was offered, how much they offered my salary. Um, You know, just every day, just I was unhappy in in my job. I didn't have any gratitude and I just kept searching. Uh, I ended up in a place where I made a decision um, to leave a company really just without another job. It was the first time in my life ever that I didn't have uh, a job. And it was really taxing. I was getting depressed. I'm not typically a depressed person. And I was just out of sorts. And I was super, super desperate. A friend of mine who I didn't know she had known about the process all along, Uh, I'll never forget, we're sitting on 4th Street in Berkeley at the Pete's Coffee. And I'm just sharing with her just how I'm feeling. And I had all of these negative, so much negative thoughts. And she looked at me and she goes, I think I might have something for you to try. And she brought it up to me. And I have to tell you, I was, I thought she was crazy. I'm like, there is, <laughs> there is, I am not doing that. I'm, I'm, that is not me. She goes, you know, look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself. And she was really trying to be helpful. I'm like, that is so not me. And then we, we met like every, Saturday, it was our thing to meet for coffee. And, you know, after she didn't push it, and then after talking to her more and more, I started asking questions. And I thought, you know, I, I don't have anything else better happening. This sounds like a solution I'm really willing to try. And that's how it all started.
0: Tim, I just have to ask you, because it's not often we have couples together on the podcast, but what did you notice? What was that like for you to... Witness Paula's struggle. What was happening for you in in the marriage in regards to that?
2: Yeah, that was that was a little bit of turmoil, as Paula mentioned. We had moved a temporary move with a with a job that didn't work out. Um, you know, we were trying to take advantage of an opportunity and kind of leap progress into the next stage towards retirement. It's hopefully not too far away. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was tough because she had always been so confident and so. She's such an amazing, you know, executive in, in her field, and to see her going through that struggle was really tough, right? Because you know, I was her biggest cheerleader. I guess you would say I knew what she was capable of doing, and and she was just kind of stuck, and so that was really tough seeing that. So when she brought up going through this process with you know, with our with our long term friend, I was completely supportive of it. And, uh, and of course, while she was in the process for that week, uh, I was very curious the whole time and there really was no communication. <laughs> so I didn't know, you know exactly what she was going through for that time, but I was very supportive of her. And um, yeah, uh, you know when she came back, it was, uh, it, was, it was interesting
0: for sure. Paula, take us to your process, take us to your week. What moment Stands out for you as something you remember?
1: I mean, this was just an unbelievable breakthrough. I remember the moment so clearly. I was in my room and I was by myself and I was doing some journaling and I was writing about my parents and I was writing about my father. And unfortunately, uh, you know, my father chose to take his home life when I was young. And I always had like a lot of sympathy for him, right, around that, like, wow, things must have been so bad that, you know, he made that choice, how horrible. Um, But never did I have this anger or anything else that I saw my other siblings and my own mother have. And as I'm writing, I just can't even, I couldn't believe what I was writing. Um, I actually had this the biggest breakthrough I think I've ever had in my life um, since my father took his life and that was I had realized that through this journaling and writing that I had felt very responsible uh, for my my father's death and uh, had carried that with me for so many years um, through everything I did and I really started reflecting that how it was carrying through my life, you know, with just this real seriousness and drive and having to be successful. And if I wasn't successful, then that like really was who I was. And, and just that, that burden, that, that huge amount of burden as a, as a young, young person. And then, you know, I'm in my fifties, right. When I'm going through the process. So I'd carried that for decades. That moment for me, I'll never forget the next morning. I spoke with my teacher. I, I, meet, I couldn't wait to see her and tell her, like, oh my God, like I had this breakthrough. I can't even believe like this happened. Because honestly, I didn't even know it was there. I would have denied it, denied it, denied it. I'd never gotten to a place where I just truly went within myself because I was so afraid of what I would find. But this forced me this internal time that I had spent with myself alone really forced me to get to know myself. And I was just like, well, you know, you're really not that freaking bad, you know, (laughs) but, but a really bad thing happened and uh, you weren't responsible for it, even though you, you have taken on this responsibility. And, and then I even had, was able to connect why I had felt so responsible. And there were many things that had happened that, that is why I took that on.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask, Paula. Why would a little kid, little girl, how old were you when?
1: I was in my early teens.
0: Okay. So why would a young teenager feel responsible for her father's suicide? What what would have led you to make that assessment, that conclusion?
1: Yeah. So about a... Between uh, my father died on December 10th and between Thanksgiving and and my father went into uh, like the mental ward of a hospital um, during that time. And I wasn't allowed to go see him. I was the youngest. And so everyone else was kind of going to see him. Um, He had convinced all the doctors that he was okay. So right after Thanksgiving, he came home and my mom had asked me to stay home from school and watch my dad and that was an incredible burden right that uh my mom had put on a responsibility and i stayed home and i'll never forget like watching my dad and he was outside he was pacing it was you know and i was just home from school i should have been not even part of that and she's just like hide the keys don't let him go anywhere And then when he had killed himself, you know, just a couple weeks later, uh, I was in high school, I was in school and somebody came, you know, they came to tell me at school um, that I needed to go home. And and it was at that moment that I was just like, oh my gosh, if only I would have stayed home. You know, I should have stayed home like I did before. He didn't do it when I had stayed home. And honestly, I didn't even have that connection at all you know, I had no connection to that um, until all these years later, right? And even digging deeper than that, like this started before then, right? The, these different responsibilities that I had had younger. And um, even as a really young girl, you know, just different responsibilities for, for different roles in the family. So that was, that was that journey. And I have to tell you, I was, it's life-changing for me. It has truly changed my life.
0: There's much research that references the power of writing and journaling. And can you picture yourself where you were as you were writing that and what that experience was like for you?
1: I was in my room and I remember I was on my bed, (laughs) on this little tiny twin bed. And it was late. It was like around 11 o'clock because we're supposed to be sleeping um, but I wasn't, and I was up journaling, and I just remember it so clearly and I remember after I wrote it, I just couldn't believe what I was right like what I was seeing. So I do remember as as clearly as possible, and I remember the next morning I remember going in and talking to my teacher at the time or for my group, and um just her reaction like I remember telling. My friends at Hoffman that I had made, you know, they were like, oh, it was just kind of it was a really big deal. I mean, still is today.
0: So you shared that responsibility that you weren't even aware of had kind of unconsciously driven you so much professionally to succeed. And then through the writing you you see the layers kind of peeling back and new awareness of you as a girl and your father's suicide, what was that like for you that next day and the rest of the process to have uncovered that and have written about it? What was the impact on you in your being?
1: I mean, I was so incredibly free for the first time in my life. I mean, truly, it was, it's almost like if I could have a headliner, you know, it would be from fear to freedom.
0: From Fear to Freedom.
1: Yeah, that, that's the headline for me. It was, you know, this year's of fear of like, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be successful enough? Am I going to be able to take care of my daughter? And Am I going to be a good wife? Or, you know, just never being good enough, uh, worthy of good enough. And I thought of myself as a very positive, happy person, right? So I, I didn't think of myself as... Um, anyone who had any of these, ne- this negative kind of thoughts. And yet through this journaling, I was just like, oh my gosh, every day I have so many negative thoughts. I didn't realize how many I had until this breakthrough. And so that, again, that was another part of all this negative thinking and, and that I had had, it just really was just like this bright light, like, wow, I, I'm not that person. I'm not responsible there was going to be a different wave, even though I didn't know what it was at the time.
0: And Paula, as you left the process, what did you do with that new chapter, kind of the missing years, so to speak, that you now uncovered? Is your mom still alive or did you speak about it with your siblings?
1: So uh, my mom's not alive either. Uh, and one of the things I was able to do was really a journal about my mother, uh, I had a lot of anger and towards her for putting that responsibility right on me. Um, and so I was really able to connect with her in a, you know, I've always, I've never been at a loss for words to say what's on my mind, but now I do it in a different way, in a more loving way and in a, in a healing way. And that it it doesn't have to be this ugly, negative conversation. I can do it with compassion and love for my mom. And I knew that my mom was just, that had just crushed and devastated her. And so I was able to really go back and try to connect and think about what it must have been like for her. And she was just searching for anything. So, you know, why not have your child stay at home, right? Because she had to go to work or whatever. So I was able to actually, I was able to go through anger. I wrote her a very angry note that I, you know, didn't share with anyone. And then I was able to, to uh, write a very loving letter to her of understanding. And then I was able to share it with... Um, very close with my older sister. And she's also done a lot of work. She actually wants to go to the process, (laughs) but she, you know, I was able to share with her, like, I forgive mom. You know, I love mom and and I forgive her. And, you know, having that forgiveness in your real, truly in your heart has freed me tremendously. So it wasn't even just that breakthrough, it's been working it through my daily life. And it's not always, I mean, I'm not perfect by any stretch, but when these negative thoughts come in about my childhood or past, or even today to be able to go to be able to turn it around and, and see it differently. Um, Just like I was able to turn this around by my writing and, and see it differently.
0: It seems maybe rather obvious and I'll just highlight it because it feels somehow counter to the way we're taught but you got angry and expressed anger for the sake of the next step of finding compassion and forgiveness for your mom. One allowed the other. Is that how you see it?
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I was always afraid to get angry. Like it showed lack of respect, right? And how I was raised almost, right? If you got angry or kind of behave that way, and I wasn't appreciative of all the love and care that both of my parents had, mm-hmm. you know, for me, like all of a sudden I disrespected them um, because I would have done it in a dis- disrespectful way as well. And so I was really able to, to do this in a, in a way that with love and light and compassion in my heart without uh, having this real negative, dark kind of um, theme around it, I was able to do it with
0: love Paula, what's it like? I haven't obviously met your parents, but I'm feeling them here now. What's it like to remember them and talk about them?
1: Gosh, real emotional, you know, real emotional because I miss them and you know it's it's part of the healing is being able to miss them and feel very connected with them even though they're not here. Right. So I mean, that to me is like the beauty of all of this. I would have never thought three years ago that I would still have this like very um all this love and and compassion for her. especially my mom actually. My dad I always did. You know, I don't don't ask me why. She wasn't the one who who took her own life and left us. Um or, you know and had this abandonment but there was an abandonment in its own way from my mother. So, you know, now today, I mean, I get to talk to them all the time, you know, and that might sound crazy to somebody listening, but I, I literally get to have just this really overwhelming love and light towards my my mother and father that I never had. Probably I, I can go back when I was a little girl, I had it. But certainly as an adult, um, I haven't had it as I have it today. And it was, I used to blame you know, it was a negative and kind of a blaming thing towards my mom, and now I get to love her and, and um, see her very differently.
0: Tim, I know you're sitting there listening, and so I'm just so curious. What's it like to see this life partner, Paula, right next to you as you share earbuds and share a microphone? What's it What's it like for you? What do you notice?
2: You know, what I notice is is just vulnerability. Really, we both carry around a lot of stuff. For a long, for a long time, and you know that plays itself out in a relationship—some uh, good and some bad—and those things that were really weighing down on her, weighing down on us, for that matter. You know, we've had a chance to, you know, to bring it to the surface, and and so it's, you know, there's a lot of power that's, I guess, taken away or or given, I guess, either way you look at it, when, when there are no secrets you know, Mm -hmm. for the most part and, and, you know, being able to talk about the way you were then and the way you are now, you know, that openness um, it's, it's really makes it more lighthearted for us. I mean, we have a lot more, um, you know, joy in our life because of that. And, you know, we're open to different experiences that I would say we, we weren't um, so open to uh, prior to the process.
0: And so here you are back at home, Paula comes home and you navigate life, what What was it like for you having not taken the process and yet being a front row seat to Paula's transformation?
2: It was really interesting... I was very curious, I should say, because when, when she come, came home, I was doing the same thing that I always did, right? which would be on a, on a weekend, you know, probably you know, having a beer and watching, watching some golf or something like that, you know, sitting on the couch and just kind of enjoying my day that way. And, um, and I think that she just came back from this you know, week-long exploration into the deepest parts of her soul. And I could tell there's a little reservation uh, about her, and maybe you know, um, I didn't know where that came from, but but she was a little timid, and um, and and also this this feeling that she had that, that she showed this, this this she was really distraught, you know, and very uh, very angry. And Paul had mentioned you know just kind of desperate as to you know where she was 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 really just completely gone. I mean, there was just none of that there. It was. Um, I felt this really kind, loving, lighthearted person that was a little detached from me is probably a, a good mm-hmm. way to explain it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I started getting really curious. And of course, you know, you, you know, when she was kind of telling me about how her week was, you know, there were some things she could say in detail and other things that, um, that are left out. And so I, I didn't really you know, I couldn't really fully comprehend what it is that she went through, but I was like, wow, you know, whatever she just went through, I, I think I might need some of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I started thinking about myself, actually, literally, I started then kind of looking at myself and looking at different things um, in my life. And as you know, as the months went by after she had gone, I was like, I, I, I think I should be going to, yeah, I want to be on the same plane with her. And there's some definitely some things uh, in my life that I became aware that, that I needed to take a look at
0: take us to a moment in your process that that you remember that stands out for you where Where are you in your week?
2: you know again, as Paul had mentioned, you know we're in this little these these little rooms we're sharing rooms uh, you know with a couple people and and so we're you know we besides just you know during the day we're doing lots of um, mindfulness and work and and then of course we have a whole bunch of homework to do in the evening and and one of those things was was to really take a look at you know, our relationship with our parents and I had a lot of anger towards my towards my mom and and it played out in you know in um, during the holidays it was always a chore you know was, and I'm sure that's not unusual for many families, how that can be stressful during the holidays. But I just had this anger for my mom and I don't, I didn't know where it came from, you know, but I, but I just was angry. I was angry with her conversations. I didn't really want to visit her or see her. uh, And I didn't really know why. And, and, And so once we started, you know, once I really took a look at her and tried to really see her as a young girl, you know, before maybe some things happened to her and her experiences that maybe played out in her adult life that that affected me uh, as a as a young kid. You know, my mom and father were separated, and divorced when I was around eight years old or so, and you know, bouncing back and forth from home to home with really very little supervision really didn't give me a lot of guidance there and. Uh, there was one time I remember when they separated that I actually I actually saw my mom, you know, with the man that she would later move in with um, at, at like a party at my at our house, you know, when we were together. And so I didn't really see how strong of an impact that had on me until I sort of started really looking at at her and at myself at a young age, maybe at the same age as as her, you know, kind of before all of this happened. I was able to to, to to not have that anger there. I was able to see her with this love as kids are when they're young and they're playing, you know, they're playing and they don't have any worries. They're, um, you know, they're just very loving. And I literally, you know, brought myself at that same age and, and had a conversation with her and we actually sat together and we sat together out in nature next to a stream. And, and we just talked about these things and had a conversation and, And the anger that I had towards her, I realized was a result of things that happened to her and her experiences as she was growing up. And, and having that understanding suddenly gave me compassion for her. And, uh, and that, that anger faded away. It was super powerful. And, um, and as you had mentioned, you know, it took, it took getting angry too, because that was part of the process too. You know, I had to get angry about the fact that I had to, I had to witness that and I had to, um, had to grow up that way. But then I was also able to have that compassion for her because I knew that that um, was something that, that she
0: learned herself at a later age. Tim, I can hear the emotion in your voice. You know, part of what you're talking about is a kind of time travel where you go to a period in, in your life that's of similar age to one in her life and you both know each other's stories. And that dialogue, I mean, it, it sounded as if you just had it yesterday as you were describing it. And yet it had such a memorable impact on you.
2: Uh, you know, as, as Paul had mentioned in her situation, it was life-changing for me because, you know, I didn't carry that that anger around towards her anymore. And, you know, I one of the regrets I think I would have had is if you know, I wouldn't have been able to have that time with her before she passed on. You know, she's still she's still alive. And gratefully, after the process, I was actually able to go talk with her and experience what my relationship is like with her after the process. To this day, you know, I don't have that anger towards her. And uh, I have a completely different uh,
0: relationship with her today. Wow. That's uh, some similar things in terms of making peace with complicated parent relationships and finding a way forward and rewriting the story, not just with them when they're alive, but also with the memory of them in your heart. So let me ask you guys a question. So you, within a couple months of each other, you both do the process and now you're back together. Does that precipitate the move to bend or what happens for the for the two of you and I know you have a adult daughter so take us to that life post process for both of you. Right. Well so
2: yeah I mean there's so many things. Drew, we could we could go on and on and on about just coincidences and just uh, being aware and being present, and, and, thing, and just different experiences, people that have come into our lives since the process. But I, I'll never forget when when we decided to move to Bend. Uh, it was sort of an idea. You know, our daughter lived in Portland, uh, and we thought, boy, it'd be nice to be closer to her. Uh, we had visited here a couple of times, and it was one of the it's one of these places where you know it's a mountain town, so you're out in nature. And of course, we're at this point, we're we're very in tune with nature uh, after after the process and, and open to new relationships and experiences. So, you know, when we visit here, we left with the feeling like, gosh, I wish we could stay another day or two. All right. We, we felt that, that, that this, this connection to this place. And so we had, uh, literally said to ourselves, well, let's go up to Ben in the winter, the worst time of the winter, as cold as it is and stay there for a month and see if we can handle it. So we did that. And this was, uh, this was in March of, uh, of last year kind of before the pandemic hit and we stayed up here and for a month and we said, okay, we, we, you know, we really like it up here. And and so we're getting closer to, you know, to, to thinking about making a move up here. Well, well we get back to the Bay area and that's when the pandemic hit. There's a lot of fear and who knows what was going to happen. We literally thought, what if, what if uh, the governor like closes the borders or something and we can't get out. (laughs) So, so we, we literally pack up our our two cars and we turned around we came back up to bend and we haven't been back since so we literally had our realtors sell our house pack up all of our stuff and move it up here. And so I think it was, you know, the, the pandemic may have been the, the last catalyst, I guess, for us moving up here. But um, but we just felt like we were drawn. We were drawn to this as we were drawn to um, different ways of thinking about things.
1: But we would have never done that, Drew, before. Yeah, no. In a million years.
0: That's not who you are. You wouldn't have done that.
1: <laughs> In a gazillion years. Yeah hell no. (laughs) No. And here's why, because that's like throwing it out into the wind. That's
2: irresponsible.
1: Yeah. That would have been completely irresponsible. And I have to tell you, everything that was like, everything was just in it. And when I say this, I don't mean saying like, oh, it just fell into place and it's all perfect and rosy. I mean, but it did in so many ways. It wasn't perfect, but it was just like, okay, we're going. We literally left. I was getting my hair done. And I told Tim, I'm like, I'm leaving in four days. He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, we're leaving. Like, we're going back to Ben." he's like, well, we don't know where we're going to go. And so literally I'm calling up hotels like, hey, can we like have a room for a few weeks <laughs> until we find a rental? It's who we are today. And, and it's really fun uh, being this way, but it wasn't who we were
0: before at all. There's something about... I mean what do you call that you guys? I I keep thinking about trust and your your willingness to trust yourselves to trust each other, to trust your own intuition.
1: It's intuition and that whole spiritual connection. I just trust it. It's kind of like get out of the way and let, you know, walk through what's what's happening. And just get out of the way without all this having to have it so perfect. You know, I was such a perfectionist to so a huge fault, you know, where had everything had to be ticked and tied and this much money ready and the house all packed up. And, you know, I still have that today. I'm still that way in many parts of my life, but I at least recognize it. Yeah. Right. Well,
2: it's like having trust in the unknown, you know. And yeah. and, and even though I, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, going to church and you know, I believe in God and I'm, just because I thought I should <laughs> because my because right. you know I went to church when I grew up and but I didn't really have that spiritual side of me. Like I saw other people that did and I was kind of envious. And before Hoffman, you know, I didn't have spirit every day. You know, I thought spirit was just something that you went to church and maybe prayed about once in a while. You know, I didn't realize it was something that, you know, it's this energy and this, this force that gives you strength and it gives you confidence, knowing that that this move is going to be okay. You know, so it was unknown, but it was super comfortable at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't scary. It was like okay here we go. We're, 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 going on this journey and it's all going to, it's all going to work out. So I say it's kind of irresponsible, but at the same time, you know, I had never had that. I didn't understand or realize how powerful that could be in our life. And it's playing out in our life in so many different ways now. And, and that's, you know, that's like probably one of the most incredible things about uh, gifts that the process has given us.
0: Can you give an example of how it's playing out? I love the new understanding of what spirit is, what spirit means, but how do you see it supporting the two of you? What, is that, what does that look like? It, it is confusing, and so I think your confusion is something a lot of people feel. So tell us a little bit about how you play with it, work with it, cultivate it, notice it in your lives.
1: So it's funny, it, we do talk about it. And I just wanted to say this real quickly because it is part of like the the spirit piece and they're kind, them kind of colliding, right? Like Tim and, and mine collide now or together at times. And what's really cool is when he got back from the process, I saw the man that I knew was there, right? And I saw glimpses of, but when I saw him actually vulnerable himself, and tearful and wanting to play and wanting to have joy and actually connect to something beyond, right? That wasn't tangible. You can't see it. You can only feel it. When I saw that in him, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like going to be what? This is wild. You know, like I can't, I don't even, I can't even imagine what this is going to be like, right? Like between the two of us. So what's funny is he got his spirit tattooed on his arm, <laughs> literally after the the process which is so cool so we see his spirit every day and then i have you know have a name for mine and it's in our daily conversations and we literally like people would think we're crazy if they're like <laughs> the well, way I we talk about it, i'm so, not articulating yeah. it while well, i am
2: no I? no you are and, and here's here's the thing is that we're just really honest You know, we we, we just are are able to put ourselves out there. And I think that at least I did, you know, I was maybe a little embarrassed. Maybe I thought it was a weakness Mm -hmm. to to show that side of me. And what I came to find out is, is, is that, not only does it make me feel good, but it also ha- creates this energy around around us and around people that we interact with or that we might meet. So we've just been meeting like these incredible people mm-hmm. along the way. And, you know, you mentioned how, how spirit, how I'm like, no, spirit's playing out in our life. Um, you know, I'm not an evangelical sort of no. person. You know, it's not something I... I talk about often and it's not something I really necessarily talk about so much today either, but I, but it's how, it's how I live my life. Right. So it comes out, people have noticed in conversations and work, they're like, wow, Tim, like, What's going on with you? Like, are you okay? or you, know, are you, are you feel it okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's like i'm I'm feeling like amazing, actually. so so it was noticed at work, and then it's so interesting. there's different coincidences. And I think maybe we all encounter coincidences in our life, you know, here and there. and And I think these coincidences are another feature of of a spirit working in our life. and And you know, like literally last night, we went out with a good friend of ours, actually a good friend of uh, Paula's that we just happened to move up here also to Bend, right? And they're like, oh, you're moving to Bend? I'm moving to Bend, too. Right? So here we, we have this friend that's moving to Ben too. And last night, we were actually uh, out having, uh, having some dinner. The, and he was he's also very open. And again, mm-hmm. we're attracted to people who are kind and have this openness and, and vulnerability to them, which, which he had and his girlfriend has. And he was just bringing up last night to us that he had listened to this podcast where they were talking about how kind of the science and spirit collide with being able to uh, work within people to overcome you know, different things they've had in their life and have this feeling of joy and and uh and freedom and he said and the name of it was called the hoffman process and so paul and i just like like, looked at each other we're like wow it's like
1: Mm you know so those kinds of coincidences uh but you know i don't believe in coincidences yeah
2: um you know they're not coincidences right and uh, so that's that's just like the most recent thing. And these things happen on a daily basis.
0: This idea that the universe is really supporting you, you are feeling held by uh, the world around you and seeing the synchronicity in the things. And I guess some people call it coincidence. You, sounds like, know that it's something on a deeper level, whether it's friends, strangers, location, little moments in time.
1: I'm sure actually I'm confident it's always been there, but I didn't see it and I didn't hear it and I didn't feel it, you know, or any of that because of, because I just wasn't able to choose that at the time. And so I'm sure it was, uh, I'm 100% sure it was always there. It's not like, oop, 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 here it is. It was there. I wasn't ready or willing or open enough to receive it. Or even recognize or gratitude, like what was gratitude? Like I didn't even think about that. You know, now I check in with myself on that, and I'm sure it's always been there, but now I choose. I want to see it. Um, Even like the, you know, we've had things that have happened in our, you know, life since Hoffman that haven't been so uh, desirable, but actually, as they're happening we're also able to make a choice and go okay I can choose this way to react to that or another way and just having the choice now is to me everything you know to have this actual choice to choose I choose this way I choose right over left
2: yeah and then being able to tap into spirit right and and again you know I as I have freely mentioned <laughs> you know I I didn't have spirit in my life and I I had no idea what how that could help me really other than maybe being, you know, feeling good or being a nicer person, but literally, you know, you hear of visualization sort of practices that you have. And, and that's also a part of really, you know, being able to see what your life could be like and be open to what your life could be like and be able to, to visualize that similar to a vision board, you know, where you put these images out into the universe. And so that's a daily practice that I have now that, that I never had before where I actually visualize certain things happening, whether it's being successful at my business or relationships with Paula or things that I want. You know, I want to be financially secure. I, I want all of these things, um, not because I'm greedy, but because I want to be able to be the best person I can be. So those practices that I have every day, you know, they really charge me and they play out in, in who I am now. You know, there's like who I was before and who I am now. And they're two very different things, but I work on them every day uh, with visualizations and with, uh, with meditations.
0: I want to ask you guys, what's, what are your practices of choice? What are, you, what are your go-to ways you connect with the tools and practices?
1: For me, there's a visualization, and I love this guy's voice. Uh, <laughs> my app on the phone. That's a Hoffman guy. And like I crave listening to his voice and it's a visualization. I'm like, gosh, I hope they never take this one off. Like I almost want to record it in case you guys do. So that's one. And the reason why that resonates with me is he guides you through like where you are today and what you're visualizing where you want to be and really celebrating and being in the gap. Right, being in between that, and that's where the real power and creativity happens. And for me, that is so alive. Like I absolutely love that, and and I was able to connect with that. So to me, that's the most powerful one. And along with just the daily quats, and I'm not. You are very good at this. You're so disciplined, no. and I'm not. But, you know, I I do a few times a week. He's like every morning at five o'clock in the morning out, you know, in the living room doing his thing.
2: Well, what's crazy about what Paula just said is that's, that's, that's also my favorite too, is the visualizations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did a little bit of that when I was growing up, you know, in sports and stuff, you know, you'd visualize certain things happening while you were playing. Right. And that's, that's certainly a technique, you know, that's well known, but taking it a deep, uh, a step further, going deeper with that is here's this vision that we have that, that really came from, from just mindfulness. And so here's this vision and here it is today. Paula mentioned, you know, we just look at both equally. Here's this vision that we, that we have created, you know, that has been created through our mindfulness. And here's where we are today. And that space in between, the tension in between is, is where the magic happens. And, and that's where kind of like the belief comes into, well, mm-hmm. is that real? And, and as a, and, and so the continued energy that goes towards that, Plays itself out literally every day. And Paula laughs at me like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I was dancing around the house. This is my vulnerable self now, Drew, right? I'm yeah. dancing around the house and I'm going, and I'm just like, you know, saying, I get drawn over here to to hear something else that's on my right road. My my right road is, is our is our vision for for our future, and and I'm like, oh, something else happened, and I'm getting dragged over here. Kind of making fun because every day like something happens, and it's just it's crazy. It's it's so. I actually
1: videotaped it. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was yeah. Funny. She has it on video. It was because like I would probably be the last person you'd see doing something
1: like the that. The last person. <laughs>
0: Uh, We'll have to put that in our show notes and get you. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, what's it like? This is uh, a conversation happening on a Sunday afternoon towards the end of the summer. What's it like to be together having this conversation with us and with one another?
2: I'm super grateful that I that I get to have this time. It's almost kind of, you know, going through preparing for this podcast, I had a chance to kind of go through again mm-hmm. what I was like before and what yes. I'm like today and 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 really start, you know, charting down even though, you know, we have a book when we left Hoffman that that we use when we when we do our meditations we call them quad checks where we just check in with different aspects of ourselves. What I know. Sure. It's called what I the what I know journal. So we have that, but then being really able to just kind of going back and looking at the last two years and, and kind of summing all this up, it is, uh, wow. Um, you know, being on the same plane with Paula, I'm so grateful that I got introduced to the process originally through, through Robin. And then being able to live this out with Paula, I mean, I don't know how many people truly get the opportunity to live with this sort of aliveness and curiosity and gratefulness to be where we are.
0: Tim, I'm glad you used the word aliveness. It seems like that is the vitality that you're talking about, really, not sleepwalking, being alive. Being present, yeah, for sure. It's just all about being present.
2: And yeah, like Paul mentioned, it's not perfect. Of course, we you know have our little disagreements. We have a little disagreement this morning. Aren't you ready for the? Are you ready for the podcast, Tim? I'm like, I'm like, I'm doing my best. I really do my best. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it allows, it allows us both to to be open to. You know, I mean, Paula, many times, you know, it says I me, mean, just be more curious. And, and I was not so curious before. And I'm much more curious to to Definitely. be open to doing things like that. And that's on a daily basis. So it adds a lot more fun to our life, um, a lot more rich, richness to our life, for sure.
0: Paula, what what about you? What's it like to sit down, knee to knee, shoulder to shoulder next to your husband, sharing a microphone, having this conversation?
1: I mean, I wouldn't have thought about it, I wouldn't have ever thought we would have this in our life. I didn't even know it existed, quite honestly. I thought the norm was this kind of I don't want to say drudgery, but it was just kind of like what you what I thought life and marriage and relationship was was, you know, go, 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 and really never stopping and looking at the other person in the eye or shoulder to shoulder. And, you know, I get to see I get to see be a, a partner and support and support. Uh, my husband, you know, in a way that I never thought I'd be able to. You know, we get to play and it to be very um, intimate was very difficult for me to always be. And that's like a gift from Hoffman too. I'm, I am still have a long way to go as far as intimacy is concerned. My husband's much more romantic than I am and, and you are. You're uh, way more romantic. I don't than know you. about that. And so to have like to feel more confident and to be more vulnerable that way with him is a true gift. And you know life is short, man. I mean it's just short. And it's like I couldn't imagine us not having this. This I can't even imagine life without it to to be very frank.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the the intimacy so important and such an byproduct of this work, the centered, calm, grounded part of you that gets to be in connection with partner and when i hear you guys i keep thinking of that oh i'm sounding like a boomer but that uh, that expression send it send it you guys are really sending it all in you're all in and it's beautiful i'm grateful for the conversation thank you
1: thank you i'm i'm really grateful uh for the teachers like you and You know, the teachers we've met along the way, Tim still reaches out to a teacher here and there, and and truly, like, you're not, we're not alone, you know? You guys are there, and you're supporting us, and that's not some kind of Hoffman plug or anything, it's just the truth. We have a place to go. Uh, You're always on my app, you're always close by, Um, we have our friends from Hoffman, good stuff. Yeah, it's something that's definitely
2: not easily forgotten that week that we spent,
1: for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and President of Hoffman Institute Foundation.
0: And I'm Raz Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation.
1: Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love
0: in themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to HoffmanInstitute.org.